questions, after which Tim will preach. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together this morning as we settle into winter. But as we get used to the shorter, colder days, we pray for countries where the weather is more of a problem. We pray that the rain in California, which was helping to put out the huge fires there, doesn't now cause huge mudslides. And we pray for all those countries suffering as a result of natural disasters. We pray for those around the world who are in fear of persecution and who are in a situation of violence, poverty, war, unrest. We pray especially for the people of Syria, that the peacemakers can negotiate a way to peace. We pray for the whole world, that world leaders will work together rather than against each other and come to compromise, not conflict. We pray especially for the Brexit negotiations at this crucial stage, that leaders will be guided by you so that the interests of all people can be taken into account. We pray for our own Prime Minister and all political leaders with the issues and conflicts that face them. We pray that you will give them wisdom. And we pray for our church leaders, for Archbishop Justin Welby, for Bishop Andrew and for our own church leaders, Tom, Claire, Daniel, Sophie. And we pray for the funding, or sorry, we thank you for the funding that the diocese has granted to the point. And we pray that this will mean more young people coming to know you. We pray for all the people of Camberley, and in particular our families, neighbours and friends. We pray for our schools, especially after the lockdown in Kings this week, for the staff and pupils who were scared there for their safety following the threat. We pray for the emergency services, armed forces, and for all those working in the NHS. And we pray for your presence as they care for patients during this coming winter period. And we pray for all those who are homeless in this cold weather and for the volunteers at the All Night Cafe who make life a bit easier for them by providing a hot meal and somewhere warm to stay. We pray for the spiritual health and welfare of our community. First for those who are overwhelmed by suffering, be it mental or physical. Help them to know your healing power and your comfort. And we also pray for anyone in any kind of need, the lonely, unemployed, despairing. Give them your healing and your hope. And we pray for those who care for them, including our parish nurses and the pastoral, pastoral volunteers teams. Father, we remember those who've died and for all those who are grieving. May your blessing rest on them. Lord, help us to remember the sacrifice you made for us and the freedom we have received as a result. Help us to submit to you as Lord of our lives so that we can try and be more Christ-like each day. But most of all, help us to build a personal relationship with you. We pray for all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Anna. Uh, when I was uh, given the job of preaching today on this uh, issue of submission, to be honest, I wasn't that delighted. The word submission doesn't exactly carry with it too many apparent attractions. 
When I was young, I used to, uh, my father used to watch wrestling on television. Those of us who are old enough to remember when there was only three channels, I think, on the television. And BBC One on a Saturday afternoon was wrestling. And my dad loved watching it. And uh, I and my older brothers would wrestle on the floor in front of him as he watched this. This would almost inevitably end up with me flat on my back, one arm pulled behind me, and one or other brother demanding that I submitted to his superior skill, or probably brutality. And when I inevitably did submit, they would demand that I did some sort of forfeit from them. On the face of it, submission is all about failure. It's about giving up. It's about bondage. And most of us would instinctively see it as a pretty bad idea with negative consequences. And the sad truth is that nothing can put people into bondage quite like religion, which all too often manipulates and destroys rather than brings freedom. So I think it's really important as we tackle this issue as part of the series that the purpose of these spiritual disciplines, these stepping stones that we've been going through over these last few weeks is freedom, not bondage. Our aim is to find freedom. That's the end game. These disciplines are merely the means to that end. They're not the answer in and of themselves. They lead us to the answer. It's not by chance that these stepping stones lead us to the altar of Christ. They lead us to Jesus. He is the answer, the freedom that he brings us. He breaks the chains and sets us free from bondage. And that's what this is all about. Uh, This is uh, Christine and the Banner Group. Finished this banner a couple of weeks ago. It's the first time it's been on display. It's not by chance that I asked her to wait until I was preaching today to, to, to show it. And the banner on that pillar there talks about laying down our burdens. So that's what today is about. Laying down burdens, breaking the chains, finding and and, and, uh, seeking and finding freedom in Christ. Now, these are spiritual disciplines. And disciplines are designed to help us to become better disciples. And it's no coincidence that the word discipline and disciple differ by only two letters. Discipline makes disciples. It's a choice. All of these things are choice. Uh, The simple fact is that we're not prepared to exercise at least some of these things some of the time, then the bottom line is we will not grow. We will stagnate. And that's no different to any other area of our lives. Either we grow or we go backwards. We learn more knowledge in order to grow, to become people of better greater, and greater understanding or wisdom. We make an effort to learn more aspects about our careers in order to grow. And if we want our relationships to develop and deepen, we have to work at them, take them for granted, and they're likely to fall apart. And the same is true in our Christian lives. We must grow ever closer to Christ, otherwise we will stagnate in our faith and inevitably grow apart from him. And it all starts with a preparedness to to submit ourselves to Christ's authority in our lives. Let's hear from uh, the uh, letter of James, which talks about this, James chapter 3. And uh, you might like to turn to it in your Bibles. James chapter 3, verse 13. The reading is taken from the book of James, chapter 3. And beginning to read at verse 13. This can be found on page 1215 in the Church Bibles. 
two kinds of wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbour bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Peter. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for your word. But Lord, we acknowledge that sometimes it's tough, and what you tell us to do seems difficult, if not impossible. So Father, please, as we go through this service today, as I speak your word, as I try to unpack what it is you're telling to us today, would you please help us to engage with you and to lead this place determined to try to put your word into action, to draw closer to you, to have a hunger to draw closer. Because we know, Lord, in all things, you want us to be free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Submit yourself, then, to God. Who or what are you prepared to really submit yourself 
to? Whose authority are you under? The instinctive reaction to that question of submission may well be that I submit to nobody and to no one and to nothing. Best summed up perhaps by this slide of a T-shirt I saw advertised in one of these magazines that you get through the door uh, for Christmas. You know, the ones you send away for all sorts of stuff, most of which ends up in the bin not too long after Christmas, I suspect. But this really struck me when I saw it in the, in the magazine. In today's world, the vast majority regale against the idea of submitting to anyone or anything. All that matters is fulfilling my needs, my desires. It's all about me. And I submit to no one. In the Sunday Times a couple of weeks ago, I saw an article entitled, Darling, I want to be together for now. It said that a quarter of 18 to 24-year-olds were in favour of temporary marriage contracts, rather like a mobile phone contract. Instead of committing to a lifetime of marriage after a couple of years or so, the two people concerned would sit down and simply thrash out a new contract, new terms and conditions. And if they couldn't agree, simply move on and find another provider. But the truth is, of course, that we all submit to all sorts of things, often for good reason. I submitted this week to the dentist uh, for my routine checkup. I have to tell you I didn't enjoy it much, but it was for a good reason. I submitted uh, to hard disciplines over the years. We all do. Hard disciplines of sport and fitness, maybe diets for better health. We spend hours learning to play a musical instrument or to pass an exam. We may submit to spending hours commuting long distances and working every day and every night for years in order to get on in our careers. Many of us submit to the tyranny of technology, to Facebook, for example, that, as I read the other day, creates addictive and soul-destroying ways of showing off to people we never really wanted to stay in touch with in the first place, whilst our data is sold off to anybody who's prepared to pay for it. Or we may submit to the call of Black Friday, which, as I can see, it started about a week ago and carries on till next Friday. We may smile or even despair at some of those ideas, but even those of us who put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ all too often do it with certain caveats, a reserved commitment, holding on to what we can't let go of at the moment. I will follow you, Lord, but... I will follow you, but I first need to sort out this or that aspect of my life, sort out my earthly relationships complete my education, settle in my job, ensure my family's content, fulfill my earthly, worldly dreams, get my life safe and under control. When all of that's in place, Lord, then I will submit to you. Then I will follow you. I will go wherever you want to take me. But until then, I want to hold on to the cards. Jesus' teaching goes counter to this contemporary understanding of commitment. He calls us to submit our lives to him, hand over command, surrender our personal sovereignty and be willing to go wherever he calls. And if we hesitate to do this, it is because we love someone or something else more than we love Jesus. Now that someone may be family or is often the case 
ourselves. And in that case, Jesus says, you cannot be my disciple. This passage from Luke reminds us of that. Luke chapter 14. If anyone comes to me and does not hate their father, their mother, their husband, their wife, their children, their brothers, their sisters, yes, even their own life, they cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. As is so often the case, Jesus is tough. His teaching isn't easy. It's demanding. Which is why I think we need to see it in the light of why is he asking us to do this. When we submit to the law of the land, we do so recognizing that it's in our individual and collective benefit to do so. The law creates constraints, but it also enables freedom. As Roddy said on the rugby pitch and the other examples that Tom drew out earlier. And Jesus asks this of us because he knows That if we can make the decision to submit to him, then we will find ourselves living what he calls an abundant life. A truly fulfilling life. A life free of bondage. Enabling us to break the chains to the world's way of living and be set free. As I was thinking about what this might look like, I found myself reflecting on my commissioning parchment from the Royal Military Academy at Sandhurst. And a couple of others of us in this room have had one. Roddy's got one somewhere. Where is Roddy? Oh, he's there. <laughs> Gone to sit next to Marianne. And uh, this is how it starts. Quite long, and I'll just give you a couple of bits of it. It starts off by saying this. Elizabeth II, by the grace of God, of the UK, of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, and of her other realms and territories, Queen, Head of the Commonwealth, Defender of the Faith, To our trusty and well-beloved Timothy Cross, greeting. Isn't that nice? Wouldn't you like to receive a letter from the Queen saying that? We, reposing special trust and confidence in your loyalty, your courage, your good conduct, do by these presents constitute and appoint you to be an officer in our land forces from the 30th day of July, 1971. Then goes on to talk about one or two other things and then says this. And you are in such manner and on such occasions as may be prescribed by us to exercise and well discipline in their duties such officers, men and women as may be placed under your orders from time to time and use your best endeavours to keep them in good order and discipline. And we hereby command them to obey you as their superior officer And you to observe and follow such orders and directions as from time to time you will receive from us or any superior officer according to the rules and disciplines in pursuance of the trust hereby reposed in you. It was and it is quite clear of what's expected of everybody being commissioned in her armed forces. Be disciplined, obey orders obedience which is why when I received the posting order dispatching me to my first job in Germany I wrote to my future commanding officer as I did for every subsequent appointment a letter and that letter always ended with the words I remain sir your obedient servant and the truth is I meant it the result 
was that my life and the lives of Christine and the family were no longer our own. We went where we were sent, and sometimes it wasn't easy. In 1990, I was posted to Germany, and our youngest son, Stephen, was born. In the space of a couple of months, I went over to Germany to take over command of the battalion and take over a house, came back to the UK to watch Stephen arrive. I then went back to Germany, and pretty quickly afterwards, Christine and Stephen came out to Germany to join me. I then disappeared to the Middle East to help kick Saddam Hussein's army out of Kuwait, leaving Christine in a new country, in a new house, with a new baby, not knowing when or indeed if I would return. That was the reality of being under the Queen's authority. But with it came a shed load of freedoms. And the truth is, I loved every day of my years in the army. It was a very fulfilling life. You might like to ask Christine whether she agrees with me. But I think she does. It's the same, but even better, when we declare ourselves prepared to submit to the king's authority. What would that parchment look like, do you think? Receiving a parchment that started, Jesus Christ, Saviour of the world. To my well-beloved son and daughter. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But like deciding to join the army, this is a choice. Our Lord never insists on having authority over us. He never says, you will submit to me. From the Garden of Eden onwards, he's left us perfectly free to choose. And he will never say a word if we choose to go our own way. If he insisted upon obedience, he would simply be a taskmaster and we would be his puppets. He makes it abundantly clear what we ought to do, but he never forces us to do it. That's why whenever he talks about discipleship, he always prefaces it with the word if. If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Let her deny herself. If we don't desire it, then we don't deny ourselves. But as in all things, that choice carries consequences. But if we do desire it, what does it look like? Well, I think first we submit ourselves, our body, our mind, our spirit, to God the Father, to Jesus his Son, and to the Holy Spirit. We submit ourselves to their direction, to do with us as they please. We are their obedient servants. Secondly, we submit ourselves to the word of God, the scriptures, to hearing the word, receiving the word, obeying the word. We look to the Holy Spirit who inspired the scriptures to interpret and apply them in our lives. Next, we submit to the body of Christ. We submit to one another, to this community that Tom referred to earlier. To one another as followers of Jesus Christ. If there are jobs to be done, tasks to be completed, we seriously consider doing them. We can't do everything, but we do something. Something spontaneously sometimes, sometimes more deliberately. 
and over an extended time. Then we look to the interests of others before ourselves. We submit to our families and our neighbours, those we meet in the course of our daily lives, including the broken and the despised, the helpless and the undefended, the widows and the orphans. We live a life, as Sophie talked about a few weeks ago, of simplicity, of simple goodness. If they are in need, we help them. We perform simple acts of kindness. We share our time, our food with them. We babysit their children. We mow their lawns. We pick up their leaves. We share the stuff that the good Lord has given us in order that we can share it. And the great thing is this. When we surrender to Christ and put him at the centre, everything else finds its rightful place. Recognising his claim over us, believing in the one whom the Bible reveals as our saviour, placing ourselves under his authority and control, we can then begin to reveal him through our thinking, through our speaking, through our reactions to events, and in doing so, we draw other people to the cross. Submission to Jesus Christ always produces blessings. If we're prepared to obey, then the redemption of God will flow through us into the lives of others because behind the deed of obedience is the reality of an almighty God. And the result is that we then find ourselves able to lay down the burden of always needing to have our own way in every aspect of our lives. The obsession to demand that things go the way we want them to go. One of the greatest bondages in human society. It always has been and it remains so today. And James refers to that in that reading we heard. Our personal lives are crowded with seemingly important things. And we can spend weeks, months, even years fretting about the things that don't go our way, that weren't fair. We fuss, we fume, we plot, we get mad and act as if our very lives depended upon what we insist is a critical issue, an issue we aren't prepared to give up on because we want our own way. We seek revenge or retribution. And in the discipline of submission, we are released from all of that. We simply drop the matter. Forget it. The truth is that most things in life are nowhere near as important as we initially think they are. So our priorities change. Jesus was at home with his father wherever he went. He never chose his own circumstances, but he meekly submitted to his father's plans and directions And he was perfectly relaxed about doing so. And in Luke chapter 12, he tells his disciples that they should resist what this pagan world runs after. And seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that a great phrase? Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. God knows what they need and he will provide it for them, Jesus said. God their Father has been pleased to give them the kingdom. A kingdom where the things that they treasure won't wear out or be stolen or destroyed.
And submission enabled them and it enables us to hold on to things lightly. To genuinely value other people. To give up our own rights for the good of others. To love them. But not demand that they love us in return. Or that they treat us in a certain way. It's no longer about me and my needs. In the same way that it wasn't about Jesus or his needs as he hung on the cross. Now, if all this is true, then why don't we do it? Ultimately, of course, because we're afraid. We're afraid of where this all might take us. All too often, when we ask ourselves, how far should we go down this path? The brutally honest answer is, as far as I'm safe, as far as I'm in control, as far as the risks feel manageable, as far as my sphere of certain competence will take me. And all too often, we retreat. We go back from the altar and we head back out into the world. Jesus beckons us to follow him with the vulnerability of a child so that we might know how strong our Father is, how much he loves us. But we would rather be adults. We'd rather be in a place where we can still pull things together if God doesn't show up, where we risk no ultimate humiliation. We need to be set free from such fear. The ultimate goal of submission is to break free from the bondage of this world's way of living. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul says, as on the screen, that he has been crucified with Christ. And it is no longer him who lives, but Christ who lives in him. His spirit has been united with his Lord, made one with him. And surely we need that as well. Is this going to be another series that simply passes us by? Christmas is coming, New Year starts, new series begins, all very interesting. Or are we going to draw closer to Christ and grow as his disciple, as the disciple of the risen Lord? It's a choice. And now is the right time to make that choice. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next month, not when we've sorted all these things out, but now. Now is the time. For once we make that choice, once we recognize that his right to have absolute authority over us, then we no longer just try to be a good Christian. We become a true disciple of Jesus Christ and we can begin to fulfill the mission that he has given us, the great commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. And once the Son makes us free, sets us free, then we are free indeed. His burden is light. And today is a good day to break the chains 
to submit to Christ, to lay down our burdens and be set free. Amen. Thank you, Tim.